This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Uh, my name is Luke. I'm from WXAV. Hi, Luke. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah. I just want to say... Uh, I really oh, she's trying to... Oh. <laughs> we're watching a lady's oh her Porsche died uh, sorry we were watching a tow truck tow a lady's Porsche and we thought that she had left it here for a while but it turns out it's just broken that's what's happening in my life I'm sorry I interrupted you oh, thanks no. for talking to me today <laughs> yeah no no of course of course of course I really appreciate it uh, that you let me call in and do this interview with you it's a big deal for me because I'm a big fan and uh, I'm really thanks happy. Luke <laughs> Yeah, so uh, now that I've been able to fanboy and completely embarrass myself, would you like to get to the interview? <laughs> yeah, thanks for completely embarrassing yourself. I appreciate it. Now it's now it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But um, yeah, so first off, I know you have a tour coming up that kicks off in like three days in Chicago. And it kicks off tomorrow in Chicago. Tomorrow, that's right. Ah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> And I I don't believe that these will be the first shows you are playing live since the pandemic and everything, but I believe this is your first full tour in three years, if I'm correct? This is our first full tour in three years. And yeah, we played a show in California mm -hmm. um, just because we were out there rehearsing anyway. We we're like, let's play a show. But yeah. this definitely feels like it's like the, f I don't know, feels like it's, it's the big boy. Yeah, 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 definitely. I know you're going on tour with Slaughter Beach Dog. And yeah. Yeah, uh, I would assume that they're, like, pretty good friends of yours. Because I know you've toured with Modern Baseball in the past, so I'm sure you're yeah good friends with, like, Jake and Ian and them. Yeah, um, yeah, it's cool. They're they're good buddies. We're, I'm really, really psyched that they are doing this tour with us. Oceanator, too, but, like, uh, like uh, both of them, for sure. But, yeah, Mobo became real good friends of ours after that tour, so it's cool to be able to hit the road with them again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But in addition to that, you have a new album out that's like a year old, but, you know, new for the tour. Yeah. And you're able to promote it now. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about your recording process for it. And okay. Because what it seems like to me is what I find fascinating is at least how you recorded Worry. What it looks like to me is that you did it live in studio with the full band. Is that true? Uh, yeah, we do them all like that to an extent, like there's overdubs and stuff that, that happen afterwards, but we, that was kind of a Jack Shirley, the guy who recorded them. That was his thing. When we did, we cool, uh, we were planning on multi-tracking cause that's at least how we had usually how I'd usually done records. And he was like, well, why don't you just set up in here? See how it sounds. And we did, and we played, it sounded great. We were like, Oh, shit, that takes so much less time. Let's <laughs> do that forever. So we've like, yeah, we just did that again. We've done that for all uh, the records that we've made uh, with this band. We've just practiced like crazy for four days and then set up our amps in a room and just did it again and recorded it. Absolutely. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's a unique way to record albums, especially for like modern rock albums, because everybody, you know, double tracks and triple tracks and all that. And it really, yeah. it really retains kind of like the energy of a live show, which is, I guess, gives you the extra edge, especially as kind of like a punk band, you know? Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we, we still like, it, it's weird because it is like a hybrid. Like there is like a lot of that shit on top of it. Like there are layers 
there, mm-hmm. but I, I do like that the bones is always the uh, chaos of all of us trying to be like, okay, don't f- this one up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I also found it very interesting because I guess, from my understanding, the beginning of Old Crap was recorded on a Tascam 338. Yeah. Recorded. 388. 388. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, no, no worries. Was it from the first recording of the demo of the song and you just decided to keep it in? Or was it a stylistic choice to do that after the fact? I guess it was a stylistic choice. It, it, like, calling it a stylistic choice is... It was more just like, I don't know, when you're in a studio, you go, Oh, what's that thing? Let's use that thing for something. Uh, and so Jack had that, like, 8-track tape machine. And we're like, oh yeah, this part that would be perfect for this part because when it kicks in, it's supposed to like open up, so it'll sound a little bit smaller because it's on this thing. Right? Yeah, I get you. That's so cool. That's so cool to me. Thanks, but yeah, it, it, that that thing is neat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I also understand that songs like "Old Crap" and many others on the new albums and ones past deal with a lot of personal frustrations and anger towards yourself. And you tend to write songs like this, especially when you're given the opportunity to reflect on it. So, like, for example, I found that many of the songs from the Bomb the Music Industry uh, album Vacation were written while you were on vacation. And I know that you said that it was during that time, it was like a a time where you could be, like, introspective and you were in, like, a good headspace to kind of, like, self-reflect. Would you say that the recent pandemic and, like, quarantine and isolation that has come from it um, fueled a lot of your new songs like that? No, no. I, I would say it does. I would say it doesn't like the, uh, well, I don't know yet. You know, like I think the 2020 dump songs, uh, for sure was good to like be in a creative space and put out some things that felt like I had urgency to them. Um, and just like, you know, like be a part of the awful moment to try and, uh, you know, do something, make something from it or try and like, especially like the back half of that. Okay. I said, no, maybe a little too early, but like not really the no dream songs, um, in that way. Cause it was pre pandemic 2020 dump, like, especially the back half of it was very like, I like, I need to feel better. I need to like try and acknowledge some things that are just like, I, I, that aren't just like this, this, like in this, like, boiling over anger um but uh as far as new songs go like i have like a few like i feel like the thing that that you're talking about with vacation um might have been a similar thing where there were just like a lot of ideas and song ideas and like half half figured out shit rattling around in my head um and i haven't really had a and i think when i when like i went on that trip uh it kind of unlocked a bunch of the songs of vacation where it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes for me, I feel like if I'm like, Oh, and the guitar should do this. And like three minutes of a song finally makes sense. But until I figure that out, like nothing works, you know? Um, I don't really think I've had a moment like that, uh, in a while. Cause like, you know, it is time away to reflect, uh, um, in a sense, like in a literal sense, but also like, it's also a time where there's just so much like dread that we're all consuming. That's really unavoidable. That's kind of hard to just like be like, okay, let me get in a good mind space today, at least for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. No dream though. I think not being on tour did do that for that record. 
So I don't know. I yeah. fucking I answered that question in an asinine order. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like like not being on tour for No Dream. Like I definitely like songs like State Line, uh, and like uh, and, and Old Crap and like mm-hmm. Ohio Turnpike. Like all of them. Like they were like there. I just never really had had a second to like. I don't know. Like put it all out and be like, okay, what what makes sense whereas like the song here is there a song here like do you know how it ends do you know what happens after like the second chorus does more happen do you want it to do that you know what i mean right exactly yeah so i i don't know there's always different ways you can take and change and arrange songs and where they come from and where they'll go yeah there is i like i don't know i'm not like i don't tinker really that much it's just like they're usually just like kind of blooming in my head it's a matter of like when the first time i like demo it out or whatever like is it a song you know or is it just like ah oh well buddy (laughs) that's a great that's a great verse but what else you got (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know you know yeah i get you uh while writing songs uh do you think about how they will fit into the context of an album oh for sure um like i'll think about what it needs i think more so than anything like it usually starts out with a couple of demos and then i'll start i'll start writing songs and demoing them out and then like once it feels like there's a momentum to the sequence of the record or like uh i could kind of i could kind of see like uh oh like i don't know this one needs to step it up a little bit like 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 this is like it's dragging or like there's too much fast stuff happening and sometimes I'll be like oh what about that song that like had no home before like maybe it'd fit here you know um, but it, but it does but it isn't like and then I'm like oh I'm a fucking genius is that it's just like ah, I don't know if that worked and this is like oh is this too long now ah, and then you put it out you're like okay phew yeah it's done you know yeah yeah exactly didn't you say somewhere that I think I. I could be getting the song wrong, but uh, I think it was State Line was the one that you wrote after you realized one side of the album was going to be like. No, that was that was Leaving in the Sun. Leaving in that's, the Sun. Yeah. yeah. But but yes, that side that side B of the record was going to be way longer than side A. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote that song. And uh, I that's and that's one of my favorite ones. And that was kind of like Mikey Erg just being like, come on, man, you can fucking do it. I was like, OK. Uh, and then I ended up really liking it. Um but side A is still long, way it's still shorter than side B. Uh, I think still by a lot. And then also, that song goes into the next song, which starts out side B. So I fucked up because I made like a transition over the sides. I blew it. Ah, uh, well, I don't think so. It sounds good. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> All right, yeah. and I'm back. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Saved it. Um, <laughs> I also understand that No Dream might have a little bit of a different significance to you because you were writing that or either during or around the same time as a location change because I understand that you've moved yeah. from New York to California. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, one of the things that you wanted to do was have uh, as many like friends get featured on it as possible. That's not the first time you've done it, but I don't know. Am I tweaking here where it's like... well? Yeah, it, it wasn't really too much different. Although I guess it was. I'd like um, on No Dream in particular. Like worry for whatever reason, 
was basically made by our band. There is not, there was like, we had a gang vocal session of like a hundred people. And then we had a different group vocal session, I think to kind of like not be such a big washy group vocal, mm-hmm. um, which were, which were friends. Um, but I, but I don't think there were too many like guest musicians or whatever on worry if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then post there, like Chris and Laura were on it and we did a group vocal again, but like, also, that record was made and released so quickly that we didn't have too much time to like get buddies on it. And right. yeah, I think th- this one like does have some more buddies on it. Um, yeah. But it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like all right, I'm moving. I gotta get all my friends together. We gotta do this. Like it was recorded after, like after I'd been in LA for like probably a month and a half already. Um, yeah. So that that wasn't re- like I don't know. We like try. Dude, I think we're always trying to get friends on it. Scott Dream was the one where it was like all right. Okay, let's get everyone on right, this. Yeah, you know? yeah, I noticed that. Uh, and I think we still didn't get everyone on it. We're always trying, though. Oh, right. Yeah, I get you. But yeah, Scott Dream had like some incredible features on it. Like, I just found this out recently that George from Death Heaven was on it because you guys yeah. record with uh, Jack, Yeah, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, I was shocked that he was going to be on it. I was just, that was like a, hey, Jack, oh, maybe like ask George, see if he'll do it. And he texted back like, Oh, that sounds weird and funny. I'm in, you know, or like that sounds crazy. I'm in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The feature I thought was the one that was most notable to me, at least, was uh, having Jer from like We Are the Union and Scottoon Network and yeah. all of the other projects that they do. And they did all of the horns for that, correct? Uh, all the brass. So I played all the saxes and, and they played all the trombone and trumpet. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, that one was really cool. How did you get in contact with them? Did you guys just like meet online or just like we both play ska music? I think, yeah, I think we started talking to each other online because we both play ska music. Um, I also like, they posted some video of themselves uh, doing like a composition thing. Okay. And I was like, oh, because uh, I, didn't, I didn't know like what their like musical level was really at. Um, but I was like, Oh shit, cool. And then, um, I'd asked them to play on, I don't remember what first, but they play horns on some Craig of the Creek stuff sometimes. Um, and they also played on two of the 2020 dump songs, uh, collapse and ACAB. That's right. And, um, and I was just like, Oh shit. Yeah. They send stuff over super fast. It sounds super professional. Mm -hmm. Um, and Jer is just a real delight to work with. Uh, they're really, really, really good at playing those instruments. It's oh, it's yeah. kind of astounding because they they played on a uh, on the last two, maybe the last, maybe just the last Bruce Lee band record, and uh, the one we're working on right now. And uh, they were over uh, my my studio recording trombone for the one that we're doing now, and uh, it's just like holy shit. Just like banging these things out, like first, second take, um, is cool. I'm I'm stoked that they're a part of the Scott Dream thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I think that that's like I don't know. It's an incredible collaboration. It just kind of shows that like there really is a lot of like great, interesting things happening in Scott right now. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm only, like, kind of, like, a recent fan of Ska, but I'm, like, really into it now. I um I interviewed cool. uh <laughs> I interviewed Dickie Barrett from the Boss Tones, and I told him yeah. that, like, they got me in the Ska, but it was it was Rainbow off of Worry. That's what got me in the Ska. No way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. That, but, yeah. It, it worked. Yeah. Ska. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> it's okay. They got me into Ska, so, you know. It's yeah. all a full circle. Oh yeah, Plus, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's generational. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I also understand that you're a big reader. You're a big fan of graphic novels too. Is yeah, there, yeah. Is, I guess so. Yeah. Um, uh, but I feel like I mean I'm I'm not like on the level that I think a lot of people are on. But I like them. I like them as much as a punk guy likes them. Yeah, yeah. I get you. Is there anything that you're reading now that you would recommend? As far as like that stuff goes, um, no. I am currently, I'm trying to take down one piece and I got like 200 or 300 chapters in and I forgot where I stopped because I'm like getting them through my library e-reader app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I tried to get back in and I can't figure it out. So I'm on pause there <laughs> with mm-hmm. one piece. Um, I don't know. I would say if anybody wants to take down something massive and weird uh, and really, really great. The Buddha series by Tezuka is really, 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 really great. Yeah. It's really great. I uh, I was already just a fan of his anyway, mm-hmm. and I was a little like, I don't know if I'm going to like a book about this subject matter, uh, and I, I fucking loved it. It's awesome. It's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are there any, like, novels and stuff that you would recommend or any, like, nonfiction that you're particularly into? Um, that I'm into, uh, so what I read, uh, I thought The Sympathizer was really good. Um, I really liked, I also just read The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John, which okay. I thought was really good. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, there was a book I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. It. I forget the name of the author, but, uh. The book Lost Empress. Uh, Empress. Okay. I read it at the beginning of the year, and it's all over the place. But it was a fun and good and weird book that I liked a lot. Yeah. Uh, those those are some things that I've read this year that I've really liked, and I'm currently reading Welcome to the Monkey House by Vonnegut, which I've never read. I'm realizing, okay. uh, and it's good. It's great. Little short stories. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. The short stories ones uh, are pretty popular and I don't know, I get recommended those a lot. So I'll, we'll definitely have to check that one out. Would you say that reading kind of puts you in a headspace for writing songs? I don't know. I don't really know what puts me in that headspace. It kind of just like, it just comes and goes. Uh, mm. It could happen. It could happen anytime. It could happen to anyone yeah, at any right. time. I don't know. Right. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really know if it does, uh, and I'm not sure if maybe I just don't pay attention to that stuff because I feel like uh, if I was like, oh, doing this gets me in songwriting headspace, then I would think that I could only do it at that period of time. You know what I mean? Right. That I could only do it if I'm reading or something. Uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of always thinking about music. So sometimes sometimes that transpires into a song, and I'm like, oh, neat. Let Let me try and get this one down, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I get that. I've got another one for you. If there is, okay. a, if there I've is, got another one for you. <laughs> if there is a Jeff Rosenstock promotional meal at McDonald's, what would be in it? Oh, uh, I don't know. A coupon for a different restaurant. 
um i don't know that's that's okay so we're we're caving to having it be at mcdonald's i don't know it would be vegan it would just be like hey we made a vegan burger and it tastes good it'd be a vegan big mac vegan fries a vegan shake um and one of those little fry guy toys why not throw in a little toy i'm sorry it's boring but you know no, that's Get on it, McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of vegan shake? It would be a vegan peanut butter pretzel horchata. Okay, so we're it's going to be a vegan chocolate peanut butter uh, pretzel horchata milkshake. Okay. Okay. That's... No one's happy about it, but uh, <laughs> Dan, wait, and Dan will drink it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that I don't have a whole lot of time left, so I won't keep you much longer. I only have one question left to ask you, and it's since we cool. are WXAV, a college radio station based in Chicago. What does college yeah. radio mean to you? How has oh. it impacted the way you see music, life, anything? Um, I don't. I, I'll tell you the way it's impacted me most is getting to talk to people who are doing other who are doing college radio stations. I had a little college radio show when I went to school. Uh, it was fine, um, but like getting to like go and meet in like I don't know see like rooms with records and stuff in them are really fun. I don't know. College radio is great. It's only like format that actually seems to play music that isn't on a clear channel playlist. So mm-hmm. I'm very appreciative of it. And uh, I'm thankful that, uh, I don't know, I'm thankful anybody listens to my band ever, mm-hmm. including college radio people yeah. like you. Do you. What do you call someone who, who is a disc jockey, college radio people? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, like a DJ. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, somebody, a show host maybe. I was a music oh. director. Oh, so that's the fancy schmancy one. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, cool. Yeah, I really appreciate you calling in, uh, and I Thanks. really appreciate you doing this interview with me. This was like a big deal for me. So I thank oh, you man. very much. Thanks. I I, I appreciate uh, you talking to me, and I hope I hope you had a nice time. I had a nice time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So awesome. Thank you so much. I'll see you around. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, wxav.com, for more information on your escape from Ordinary Radio.